Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the very first episode of Smoking Politics. I am your host, The Stone Conservative, and today we'll be talking about guns, abortion, trannies, and hate speech. Why do, why do we have guns? Is it a life? Is it a mental illness? And is it an infringement, infringement on the First Amendment? All of these are obviously hot topics and questions people want answers to. Okay, so hate speech. What is it? Well, according to Wikipedia, hate speech is speech that attacks a person or group on the basis of attributes such as race, religion, ethnic origin, national origin, sex, disability, sexual orientation, or gender identity. Yeah, you know. Unless you're a straight, white, Christian, American, cisgender male, at that point you don't really matter. Now, so, so nobody says I'm cherry-picking definitions. Here's the Merriam-Webster definition of hate speech. Speech expressing hatred of a particular group of people. As you can see, both, both definitions are quite broad. Now, I want to start off by saying that in practice, hate speech is really just anything that offends anyone. Saying an offensive joke is hate speech. And you know that uh, that song, uh, Kung Fu Fighting, you know, everybody was Kung Fu Fighting. Well, in England, that's hate speech, and someone was arrested for singing it at a karaoke bar. So the left really doesn't care about the definition of hate speech. Even if they did, hate speech isn't a real thing. There is no, there is no hate speech, only free speech, at least here in America. Here we have the Constitution and a little something called the First Amendment. It goes like this. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people peace, uh, peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. This basically says we can say whatever we want and the government can't do anything about it. Um... It doesn't matter if you're a private citizen, part of the press, a church, or anything else. You are free to say whatever you want, whenever you want, uh, at whatever you want. And whatever you want does mean whatever you want, including nasty things. You can spew some racist views verbally, and as long as you aren't hurting anyone or actively discriminating against them in the workplace. I'm not fine with that, but... Hey, you're protected under under the First Amendment, and it should not be illegal. You should not be arrested for saying things that are just well frowned upon, and rightfully so. Um, and I don't need to agree with what a racist says in order to believe uh, we should all be allowed to say what we want. But this is very different from yelling fire in a crowded theater, as leftists usually point to. Simply put, yelling fire in a crowded theater is not speech. It is a call to action. You aren't just saying something. You aren't just saying a statement. You're creating a commotion and making people perform a certain action. In this case, running for an exit. The same rule applies to slander. It isn't just speech. You're actively hurting someone's reputation, which in turn could get them fired or physically hurt, even killed depending on how bad the slander is. At that point, you can be charged as an accessory to murder, so, law, so laws on words are there because it's, it's not speech. They have a direct effect that could harm someone physically. 
as in it hurts more than just someone's feelings. This is why hate speech laws are ridiculous and unconstitutional. The Constitution is there to make sure the government doesn't impose the, on the rights of the people and overstep their boundaries, which nicely leads me into my next topic. Guns. Guns and the Second Amendment. Now, me being a New Yorker, I'm very passionate about this topic because I'm pretty much unable to own fire a firearm. Technically, it is legal, but the process to get one in New York, any gun, handgun or rifle or shotgun, it's ridiculous. It's next to impossible to get get a gun here. But before we get started on this, let's read the Second Amendment. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This means that we the people have a right to weapons to defend ourselves from a tyrannical government and from threats both foreign and domestic. Protecting ourselves from a tyrannical government includes protecting our rights, such as freedom of speech, which is currently under attack. But this doesn't mean we can go, I repeat, does not mean we can go and shoot Congress. However, should more of our rights be taken away in an unlawful manner, and should any of our rights be suddenly stripped from us, should uh, more, because unfortunately it's already happened, more people get killed through gun confiscation via red flag laws, we we need to stand up to this, and we, we at that point we would have the right to um, change the government at gunpoint. We should also remember that we need to be able to fight off tyrannical governments or foreign enemies, which means fighting off entire militaries. And, look, I'm not going to say... I'm, it would be stupid to say that a semi-automatic is overall better than a select fire weapon. That's just stupid. Shut up. Basically, look, obviously full, fully automatic fire is not meant to be accurate. It's meant to provide suppressing fire. Anyway, I'm not going to get too deep into that part. That's for another episode. Um, but another very popular anti-gun argument is that the Second Amendment was only meant for muskets, or there were, or there, there were no high-capacity magazines, or <laughs> my favorite one, there were no fully semi-automatic weapons back then. Let me just blow right through this one real quick. You know, you would you would just have to pass basic English to know that if something is semi or partly, then it cannot be fully or entirely. You can't. It's just basic English. It's not a gun thing. It's not a. It's it's basic English. It's grammar. Like, do you use it? <laughs> anyway, um. Yeah, but yeah, the the Second Amendment was the Second Amendment did not apply only to muskets. And yes, there actually were high capacity rifles back then, such as the Belton Flintlock, which was developed prior to 1777 by a fellow named Joseph Belton. Fourteen years before the Second Amendment was ratified, and not only was it a high capacity rifle. But according to a letter sent to Congress by Mr. Joseph Belton himself, he says, and I quote, I have discovered an improvement in the use of small arms, wherein a common small arm 
may be made to discharge eight balls one after another in eight, five, or three seconds of time. So there's no way the Founding Fathers did not anticipate the technological evolution of guns. In fact, there was even an early, early Gatling gun called the Puckle Gun, made, which was made in 1718. The Puckle Gun was made by a British lawyer named James Puckle. The Puckle Gun was able to fire 63 rounds in 7 minutes, which in 1718 would have been the equivalent of a mounted machine gun, the ones you see on, on military Humvees. Nine rounds per minute in the 1700s would have been considered military grade, and it was initially pitched to the Navy. Well, uh, they when they turned it when they turned the puckled gun down, James decided to put it on the commercial market. It worked, but as you know, the flintlock mechanism was never really reliable ever. Like you know, it was a, it was the fir the first step in firearm evolution. <laughs> Excuse that. Um, it was a bit impractical, especially for the Navy, you know, because the the, the, the gunpowder would have been getting wet. But again, you can't tell me the Founding Fathers didn't think guns could evolve one day to, to what we have now. Other, quote, assault weapons from back then include the Knock Valley gun and pepper box revolvers. I'd get into them, but I'm sure you get the idea at this point. Another popular anti-gun argument is that you don't need a high-capacity magazine because you're not the militia. Actually, we all are the militia. Every single gun owner in America is. Every single non-gun owner in America is. Because when shit hits the fan, we will all need to protect ourselves, our families, our loved ones, and or our rights. And we never know when our government could uh, become tyrannical. Some believe it already is becoming tyrannical. Someone very aware of all this was George Washington. See, he had to fight off militias in the north and south. Oh, my bad. Only in the north. And he fought when there was a really easy solution, which was to outlaw guns. Banning guns. It would have See, they would have went in, stripped the militias of their guns, and he wouldn't have had to fight and lose men. Um, but you know what? You know why he didn't do that? Because he knew he too could let power go to his head and become a tyrant. Nobody ex is exempt from corruption. Okay, I'd like to move on to our next topic, but first, let me remind you to please follow my Instagram, at the Stone Conservative, all lowercase, all one word, and give me some feedback as well as ideas for what I should talk about in the next episode. And if you think I deserve it, I'd appreciate a share. Anyway, let's continue. Marijuana is a human right, and the federal government, <clears throat> taxpayers, should be paying for my weed. It's a goddamn human right. Except, except, of course, you know, yelling, crying, and saying something is a human right doesn't make it so. This is the case with abortion. Now, this one is actually... I'm glad I can be making this segment for the first episode because just a couple of days ago, I watched Unplanned, which uh, is by, based on a book by Abby Johnson, a former director of Planned Parenthood. And, well... I'll be mentioning her a little bit. Um, I'll be mentioning her again in a little bit. But, you know, those those of you that I met at Unplanned, thank you if you're watching. I'm glad you had some time to 
watch this. Anyway, you know, except, yell, um, this is the case with abortion, and abortion is not a human right. It is a commodity, and a terrible one at that. How about we start with how Planned Parenthood treats their patients? According to um, an ex-Planned Parenthood director, again, Abby Johnson, and I quote, My director told us that our goal was to create every phone call and every client into a visit. To turn that into a revenue-generating visit, well, if a woman comes in and she's pregnant, the only the only thing we can do that is um, the only way we can do that is by selling her an abortion, because we don't do uh, parental care or prenatal care. Plan, uh, Planned Parenthood does not provide prenatal care at any of their clinics around the country. They the they don't do adoption services. They don't make money off of that. Uh, sorry if I'm stuttering. The text on this script is a little small, so I'm having trouble reading it. Regardless, so not only do they talk women, uh, talk to women with the goal of convincing them to get an abortion, they don't provide any other type of care. Basically, cornering the women into an abortion. This is, of course, this of course is so they can reach their abortion quota, which Abby Johnson also talks about. Um, it, oh, she talks about it in her interview with Steven Crowder. Uh, if you have, if you don't know who he is, go go on YouTube and check out Louder with Crowder. On her website, uh, abbyjohnson.org, and in her book Unplanned, the dramatic true story of a former Planned Parenthood uh, leader's eye-opening journey. By the way, that's the book. You should also check out the movie Unplanned. I don't think it's in theaters anymore because you know it was hardly being pushed. But as soon as you can buy, you still got a supporter. And it is a fantastic film. Take it from me. I went to see it. It, it was, it, it was great. It was fantastic. Every and everything that I that I'm saying here was portrayed in the film, and it was very well done. Um. By the way, I find it kind of funny how pro-abortionists, and yes, that is what I will call them, because it is no longer about having a choice. It is about having an abortion, as you can remember. Um. Michelle Fox saying, uh, shout your abortion, God bless America, God bless abortions, disgusting. Um, but I, I find it funny how pro-abortionists are the same people who call me a racist, at least on occasion, and yes, I, I, I'm not white, I'm not, I'm Spanish, and I have been called a racist for a variety of reasons, but they are the fans of Planned Parenthood, which was founded by Margaret Sanger a notorious racist who by design put Planned Parenthood in black neighborhoods to quote, and I quote, this is from Margaret Th uh, Sanger herself, and um, to exterminate the Negro population. Yes, she actually said that. And yes, there's more to the quote. The full quote from Margaret Sanger is as follows. <clears throat> we should hire three or four colored ministers preferably with social service backgrounds and with engaging personalities the most the most successful educational approach to the negro is through a religious appeal we don't want the word to go out that we want to exterminate the negro population and the minister is the man who can straighten out straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members 
This would explain why today there are more black babies being aborted than born in the United States, according to the CDC. And there is literally a black genocide going on, uh, happening sanctioned under the name of reproductive rights, which is absolutely ridiculous. But Planned Parenthood was designed to get rid of black people. Also, I don't believe Planned Parenthood uh, should be taxpayer-funded at all. Uh, however, and I emphasize, however, because I am not, I'm not okay with um, our, any tax dollars funding Planned Parenthood. However, if Planned Parenthood is going to stick around, it should be state-funded, not federally funded. Federal, uh, federally funding it means all taxpaying U.S. citizens have to pay for other people's ability to have an abortion, which is against most Americans' religion, which in turn directly ignores the First Amendment. If it was state-funded, then the people could vote on whether they want to pay for baby killers, and if the state you lived in was pro-abortion you are, uh, and you aren't, you could move states. In fact, not only is federally-funded abortion unconstitutional, it is inhumane and un-American. The Bill of Rights grants us the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How can we have the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness, but ignore the, the right to life? And how can you even attempt to reach liberty and pursuit happiness when life is cut short? According to the uh, Bill of Rights, abortion should be completely and totally outlawed. However, however I hope we all know that's a bit unreasonable. Unfortunately, there are a very few there are very few cases where abortion is needed. For example, if a doctor de determines that a woman is at a high risk of um, of dying if she gives birth or has a C-section, she should be given the option to abort the baby, but not forced if she doesn't want to and not coerced in any way. That would mean not going to Planned Parenthood, which is highly unlikely. Even more so if she lives in low-income areas. Let's quote Planned Parenthood themselves. The organization remained. The organization remained committed to serving low-income immigrant women. Today, approximately one in five women in the U.S. visit Planned Parenthood, and three-fourths of those women are low-income. I got this off of Planned Parenthood themselves this year, or possibly late last year, uh, but it, it was very, very recent. This is from their website. Um, so I don't think that, that that baby has much of a chance, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately. But here's a solution that I think will make everybody happy. First of all, we stop funding Planned Parenthood. It would, uh, it would be ideal if we got rid of it altogether and funded places that actually provide effective contraception, health and sex education, prenatal services, adoption services, and helps women exhaust all her options before having an abortion. But we all know that's probably not going to happen, at least for a while. Anyway, we stop federally funding Planned Parenthood and fund it by city or state taxes. Next, I know we're the, uh, we're the smaller government side, but we would have we would need heavy regulations on abortions. For starters, only women at critical risk of death and rape victims can get abortions. Second, to have an abortion for medical reason, you, you need medical documentation saying you're at high risk of uh, death through pregnancy or labor. If you're a rape victim, you need to report your rape and have a rape kit done in order to have an abortion. Of course, uh, all information would remain confidential. 
and if uh, later it, if it later turns out you lied or had a, a, an innocent man arrested, you serve hard time. I know not everyone likes this idea, but it's the only way I see both parties coming together for uh, on or finding common ground on abortion. Now on to the last topic of the day, trannies. Uh, I'd like to start. Let's let's start this one by making it perfectly clear that I don't hate transgender people. I just disagree with them, and I know that they have a mental illness. That mental illness is gender identity disorder. Now they call it gender dysphoria. The American Psychiatric Association changed it in 2013 because they thought disorder was mean and stigmatized. Here's how else we know it's a mental illness. Transgenders have a 41% suicide rate, nine times the national average, according to a study done by UCLA. Now, a pro-transgender person may, uh, may argue that that's a result of self-hatred and depression from not feeling like they're in the right body. However, the suicide rate among transgenders post-op isn't much better. In fact, it makes it worse, because when transgender people realize that simply inverting your penis or putting on a fake one doesn't actually make you the opposite gender, and that they just butchered their body, it makes them a lot more depressed. Imagine thinking chopping your penis off makes you a woman, and then you realize that's not the case. You know, missing the womb and the X chromosome. I know I'd be suicidal. Another thing I hear a lot from leftists is that we are transphobic bigots because we don't want men dressed like women going into the women's bathroom. They claim transgenders just mind their own business and leave people alone. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure we are all familiar with the it's ma'am video taking at GameStop, or at a GameStop. Let me ask you, would you want that in, in the bathroom with your daughter, or with your wife or sister, or even your mother, and um, or any other important woman in your life, any other woman that you care about? Someone that agitated will want to fight them and will hit them because they believe uh, they are also women. Someone that ang that angry will become a man. Yes, that's what was said in the video. Uh, and I quote, Motherfucker, take it outside, unintelligible. I will show you a fucking sir. He's yelling this uh, as the GameStop employee apologizes profusely. This can happen anywhere, especially in the women's bathroom. These people are women right up until their testosterone kicks in. Can you imagine your wife going to the bathroom with your daughter and that guy says, uh, and that guy there uh, and your daughter asks that guy's in there and your daughter asks why there's a man in the women's bathroom? All hell would break loose and, and your little girl just asked a very valid and reasonable question. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the first episode of our show. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to follow the only social media I have, at The Stone Conservative on Instagram, and let me know what you think and what I should talk about next. You'll hear me next time on Smoking, Smoking Politics with The Stone Conservative. Good night, folks.